You better hurry up. They're not going slow. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place this morning. We thank you that we could dedicate this time for you. This is time that we've set aside for you. And, Lord, we always know that when we seek you, we find you. Hallelujah. Lord, here we are just to enjoy you. If we do, do nothing else in the rest of the service, Lord, we've enjoyed your presence. We've enjoyed your worship. Hallelujah. We don't have to go through the forms and the rituals and the religion. We just want you, Lord. We come boldly before your throne, and there, that's where we find help. That's where we find grace. That's where we find all that we need because, Lord, you are everything. You are everything to us. Hallelujah. And so we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well. Whew. First Sunday of 2024, and it happens to be our first major snowfall of 2024. We had a little bit of winter wonderland, I think it was mid-November, that stuck around for a week, but it was a light dusting. This is a little bit more, and we've got more coming this week, but hey, it is winter. We are Canadian, you know, and uh, it, it's amazing. The people who come the farthest are here, <laughs> and the people that go the shortest sometimes aren't. You know, and John said this morning as he got up, he walked out the snow, he's like, ugh. Do I really want to do this? And then he said, no, shut up, flesh. I'm going to church. And God honors that. And I find some of the best services we ever have are the ones where most people don't show up. Why? Because the people that are willing to put their flesh out of the way and actually seek God do show up. And that has an effect on the atmosphere and the environment. It's like, man, it's like I don't have to deal with these people who really don't want to be here. And I'm not saying that don't look to your neighbor who's not here and be like, oh, you guys didn't want to be here. Thing, things happen. We know there are people traveling this weekend, too, that are still on holiday time. But God honors when you specifically set time aside for him. And be like, God, this is your time. There's no other distractions. This is not something that, is, that I'm going to push off because something else came up. You set, have this time. This is me and you. And it's amazing that you'll, you'll get so much out of the Lord when you actually make time for him. I remember Patsy Caminetti saying that uh, when she was in Bible school, that, uh, you know, she was young and all of her friends were out dating and stuff like that. And, and they said, well, where are you going? She's like, well, I've got a date. And they're like, oh, who's the guy? And she's like, Jesus. She's like, I've told him tonight, I'm going out. I'll meet you here at such and such a place outside my apartment. It's time for you and me. And it's amazing the things that you'll learn when you have those times. Well, in 2024, it's funny. You know, I, I thought I knew exactly what we were going to be doing as we stepped into this week. We were going to be jumping right into our series on Up. And as I was studying this week, it's just like that didn't sit right. There was something else. And it's funny, Proverbs 19 says that many are the plans of a man, but it's the Lord's purpose that will be established. And so I'd rather give up what I planned and go in a different direction. And it's a direction that we don't go in a lot. And this morning, I want to jump into a series on a book study. And no, we're not reading like a book written by someone. We're going to take a look at a book of the Bible, and we're going to start breaking it down over the next few weeks and taking a look at it. And I think it's important that we do it this way because, one, a lot of Christians don't actually know what their Bible says because they only read their favorite words, their favorite scriptures. And sometimes when we're preaching topically, we, we go a little bit here and a little bit there where that topic is found. But we don't often go from start to finish in what somebody has written. 
And when we look at specifically the epistles of Paul, those are letters which are essentially messages. If you want to look at epistles like this, it's like a Sunday morning service. Paul is wanting to teach them and preach something to him, and he's doing it through his writing because he's not present with them. And so we, if we follow from start to finish, he may not always be in the same topic, but he's tying things together. He's tying topics together because the Bible is not a book. It's a library. It's written by different people over a large span of time who were writing for different reasons under different circumstances. And so basically we're going to take one book of the Bible and we're going to take a deep dive into it and take a look. And that book that we're going to do this week is the book of Colossians. And this is a great book and I think it's great for a lot of different reasons. But for specifically for us uh, uh, as Gentiles, you know, what does Gentiles mean? Non-Jewish people. The, the book of Colossians is a great one to look at because it's not written to people who have a Jewish background. It's written to people who have a Gentile background. The church at Colossae didn't have a lot of influence from Jerusalem because it's not in the same country. It, it's, not, it's not founded by other Jewish people. And we have to understand that most of the New Testament is written to people who had a very deep understanding of Judaism. Why? Jesus was Jewish. All of the apostles were Jewish. All of the early, the first things that we see through the early church were done by Jewish people. And it was about a decade, a decade and a half before they really started to branch out and go to the places God told them to go. What did Jesus say? He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And a decade later, they hadn't left Judea. They hadn't left the land of Israel. Why? Because they were comfortable where they had and where they were at. And it took, you know, Peter, he was up in prayer. It's amazing that how God can change you in prayer and correct you in prayer. He was in prayer and he fell into the spirit or fell into a trance and he had a vision and the sheet came down from heaven. And on it, on that sheet, there were all these unclean animals that the Jewish people considered unclean, that they weren't supposed to eat. And the Lord said, kill and eat. And Peter said, not so. I don't eat that stuff and I never have and I never will. And the Lord said to him, don't call unclean that which I have cleansed. And on the surface, you could say, oh, God's telling Peter to go start eating other different types of food. That's not what he was talking about at all. And that's why when you're in the Spirit and the Spirit talks to you about things and shows you things, let him be the one who interprets it. Don't put your spin on what you think. No, if you don't understand, say, Holy Spirit, I need your wisdom. And he will reveal and so three times that happened, the sheet came down, and then the Holy Spirit said to Peter, there's people at your gate, go with them, questioning nothing. And so Peter, sure enough, comes downstairs, and there's people that had, the Lord had sent to him, and they were not Jewish people. They were Gentiles, and he went with them, not questioning anything. He went into the house of a Gentile, which was not something the Jews were allowed to do, and he went in, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them as they believed, and Peter was like, oh my goodness, I get it. It's not just for us, and I think Jesus is in heaven going, seriously, Peter, I told you it was for everyone. <laughs> and so it took them like a decade, a decade and a half to start branching out. 
And so the, I like the book of Colossians because it is written to Gentile people who don't have a lot of understanding of the law. And the, this is one of what is called the twin epistles. Ephesians and Colossians are called the twin epistles because they cover much of the same content. Why? Paul preached the same thing to, as he went throughout the regions because you all need to know the same thing. And he's writing to churches. He's writing here at the church of Colossians. In the book of Ephesians, he's writing to the church at Ephesus. In Galatia, he's writing to a, a Roman province, which was in uh, modern-day Turkey. And so here in the book of Colossians, he's writing to Gentiles. And so the lot of the information doesn't have a Jewish twist to it, which is great. Because I didn't grow up with the sacrifices. I didn't grow up with the law. I've studied those things, but Colossians has a lot of great information for us. Here's a little map for you. Right there, in the, off on this side, under Galatia, you see Colossae. That's where he was writing to. It is in what is now modern-day Turkey. And you see Judah and Jerusalem is down here in the bottom right-hand corner. So it's quite a ways removed. Now, one of the great things that we need to understand about the church at Colossae, it's not one that Paul founded himself. It says here in chapter 2, we'll start in chapter 2 and then we'll back up to chapter 1. It says, for I want you to know what great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, which is another city in the area, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Paul's saying, hey, we haven't met, but I want you to know that I care for you and I think of you, and I've got some things that you need to know that I need to, I need to know that you understand. And so he says, I, I have this great conflict within me for those who haven't met me yet. And so during this season, Paul was based out of the city of Ephesus, which is really if we go back to our map here, Ephesus is really not that far. But while Paul was in Ephesus, Timothy and Epaphras and others that traveled with Paul, they would go out from Ephesus and they would preach in the other cities around the area. Not on this map is the city of Laodicea. Another one that's not on this map is the city of Hierapolis. We're all in the area around Colossae. Now, Colossae was a very important city at that time, but was declining in its importance as Laodicea and Hierapolis increased. But it was at the time, it was a very affluent city, and it was affluent for a reason. Coming through from off the map here, we have Asia, and the trade routes ran through Colossae over to the port where they would get on ships and then they would head out to Rome and into Greece. And so it was a very important city because there was a lot of trade that came through the area. And the thing that Colossae was known for was its dark, glossy sheep wool. It had a beautiful wool that was very important for some of the trade in the area. And so that's just a little bit on the city. But Paul says, they've not seen my face. So he's writing to people that have never met him, which is great because you've never met Paul either. And so if it was important for them to know these things, it's important for you to know these things. You didn't know Paul personally, neither did they, but it's still important what he had to say. And he tells why he's writing to them. Verse 2 of chapter 2, he says, that your hearts may be encouraged. Oh, I love that. Because the word of God should always encourage you, even when it corrects you. Come on. So many people shun correction. 
No, the word of God will encourage you at the same time while it corrects you. Because it's like, oh, I've been wrong. I've been going in the wrong direction, and now I know the right direction to go. So you can be encouraged even while you're corrected. And it says, and they also wants that you being knit together in love. That's important because God is love. And uh, Jesus said, you'll know they're my disciples by their love. And he says, and I want you attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding. Paul's saying, I want, the, I want you to benefit or profit by having the proper, I want to be confident that you understand. Because he didn't know what had been told to them at this point. Uh, he, he was not the one that established his church. But there's profit in having a full understanding. I'm not talking about money, but there's benefits to you understanding the word properly. Because then you'll be able to govern your life and have good success and prosperity. That's where money comes into it. Because you look at what the Lord said to Joshua. He said, study the word, meditate on your, the word, because then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. And so Paul says, I want you to have the benefits or the profit of having a full understanding. I want to be confident in those things. And to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. That word there, mystery, is very important when we start to break down the book of Colossians. The mystery. And there's a reason why Paul uses the word mystery with the Colossians. But let's just finish the next verse before it says, To the knowledge of the mystery of God, both to the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge. Now that statement may not necessarily mean much to them, but for the church in that area, on that trade route, coming from Asia, there, this meant a lot to them because of their background. Like I said, they're not Jewish people. They are Gentile people. And even in this area now, which is modern-day Turkey, which is predominantly Islamic, there was no Islam on this time. This is about 600 years before that. And the dominant religions within this area were Oriental Asian religions that had come through. And they were highly emotional and highly mystical. That's important because what they believed was if, if you performed these certain sacrifices in this certain way, certain information and knowledge would be released to you. That's why Paul says that in Jesus, all knowledge and all understanding is released to you. Because through it's not through your works, it's not through your religion, it's through Jesus, that knowledge and understanding. And you don't have to hop through all the hoops to try and understand. You just say, God, show me, and he shows you. So it's important the wording that he uses because he understands the people that he's writing to. Paul was not 
ignorant of other religions and other thought processes. He took that into account. We see that when he goes to Athens. He, he sees how they worship, what they worship, and he tries to talk to them based upon what they know and how they've been worshiping to bring correction and point them to Jesus. And he's doing the same thing with the church at Colossae. He's saying you don't have to step through all these mystical hoops to get wisdom. All wisdom has been hidden in Jesus. Jesus Christ, your Lord. Amen? So we needed to establish that before we move on because Paul's going to talk about the mystery in chapter 1. He's going to talk about knowledge and understanding in chapter 1. So let's get over to where this starts in Colossians 1. Y'all ready for this? It may take us a few weeks to get through this book, but that is okay. Sometimes you just got to go with what is necessary, not necessarily what you feel like you may want. That's an important thing. As we were worshiping this morning, I was thinking about it. Sometimes we get, we think we know what we want or what we need, and the Lord knows better. You know, there's times where it's like, oh, if only a prophet could come and tell me something and point me in the right direction when what you really need is good teaching. What you need is good preaching or inspiration. Preaching should inspire you to get up and move. Teaching should give you the the foundation and the establishment to move from. Each thing has its purpose and its timing, and just because you want something doesn't mean that's what you need. The Holy Spirit knows what you need. Amen? So Colossians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. So Paul is the one writing. He, we said this is the twin epistle with the book of Ephesians. And it's a funny side story. When they were looking at the book of Ephesians, there was some contemplation whether or not it was a forgery and that somebody else put Paul's name on it to have it more impact. But then they found old manuscripts of the book of Colossians and they realized, hey, he talks about the same things in Ephesians and he talks about the same things in Colossians and we know that this one is old. So even though we may think that Ephesians is newer, it's covering the same content it must be authentic. And so they authenticated the book of Ephesians through the book of Colossians. And so Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace and peace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the way Paul usually starts his writings and the way he ends his writings. And it's easy to pass things off and say, well, that's just his standard greeting. There are no unnecessary words in the Bible. Paul told Timothy that all scripture is profitable for doctrine and for correction. And so here, Paul, when he says grace to you and peace to you, why does he start with grace and peace? Because it's important. Why does he finish with grace and peace? Because it's important. And when you find the grace of God, peace flows from it. I like what Paul said to the Romans in chapter 5. He said that through we have been justified by faith and that we now have peace with God and have obtained our introduction into the grace in which we stand. Grace shows up on the scene. By faith you believe, and then peace flows to you. Amen? So grace and peace to you from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're going to find a strong emphasis in the book of Colossians 
on the deity and the power and the position of Christ. And if we want to talk about differences within the twin epistles, Ephesians is really about the church being the body of Christ being the head. Colossians is about Christ being the head and you being the body. It's flipped on its head. Where Ephesians is about your position because of the head, Colossians glorifies the position of the head and glorifies the position of Jesus. And he says in verse 3, We give thanks to God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard your faith in Christ and your love for all the saints. Paul said, as soon as we heard of you, we could not stop but pray for you. Come on, the Lord will put a burden on your heart to pray for others. This needs to be revived in the body of Christ. Not everything needs to be about you. If every time your knees hit the floor which I think most people don't kneel when they pray, but I'll just use that as an example. Every time your knees hit the floor, it's all about you. I think your perspective may be off. Because throughout the Bible, we see people being drawn to pray for others. Come on, we look at the book of Job. It was as he prayed for his friends that he was healed. He had had enough time focusing on himself, wallowing in his pity and his problem, and when he turned his eyes off of himself and prayed for his crappy friends, they were not good friends. <laughs> they were telling him to curse God and die. And when he went and prayed for them anyways, that's when he was healed. And so if your prayer life is all about you, I question whether your focus is in the right spot. There's times to pray for you, there's times to glorify the Father, and there's time to pray for others. And so Paul says that whenever I first heard of your love, and your love for the saints, and your faith, I couldn't help but stop praying for you. And he says this in verse 5, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. The confident expectation of good things to come, which is in heaven. There's good things you're going to experience on earth, but I'm going to tell you, the things you're going to experience in heaven are going to be even better. And he says there's a hope, a confident expectation laid up for you in heaven, which you've heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Paul's saying, I trust that this is what you've heard, that there's good news in the truth of God which has come to you as it has also in all of the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and you knew the grace of God in truth. He's saying, man, this is Paul reflecting on what's going on in this area. In Ephesians, in Colossae, in Laodicea, in Hierapolis, he's like, man, the word is going forth into the world and it's bringing forth fruit. Why? The word produces. When you apply the word into your life, it will produce. It says each word of God that went forth from his mouth is not void of power, but will accomplish what it was sent forth to do. And so you take the word, you plant the word, you apply the word, and you will see fruit. And Jesus said, I pray that your fruit would remain. And he says, which has come to you, as it is also into all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard, and you knew the grace of God in truth. What was it they heard, 
and what was it they knew? What was it that produced the results? It was the grace of God in truth. It's funny what transformed them. A bunch of or oriental worshiping, styling Colossians. What changed them? It wasn't their understanding that they were wrong. It wasn't the fallen state of man that transformed them. It was knowing the grace of God in truth that transformed them. Come on, we need to put the focus of the gospel back where it needs to be. The grace of God has appeared to all men, and it teaches them to deny ungodliness. That's what the Bible says. Maybe we'll get to that in a few, different, in a few weeks from now. But it says when the grace of God appears, it's what transforms. Come on, it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's not their understanding of how wrong they are. Because we were all wrong, right? And when we look at certain groups of people, we're like, man, they need Jesus. Yeah, they do. But not because you're looking at their faults. Look at what God has desired for them and the, the part, part, price that he has paid for them. The, the great sacrifice of the cross. The grace of God has appeared to all men and it's what's going to transform them. Not our works, not our religion, not our do this and don't do that. No, you point them to the grace of God and it will transform them. You know, after 22 years of pastoring, well, I've been 15, Pastor Robin's been here longer than that. But there's been so many people that have come through, and you look at them and you're like, oh, you've got to stop doing that. I've never had to tell them. You point them to Jesus, you get them to listen to the Holy Spirit, and they start cleaning themselves up. Why? Because the Spirit of God sanctifies. The Lord declares you holy, and the Spirit of God will sanctify you. He will preserve you blameless, and He will keep you until the end of time. And when your focus is on God, you can't help but, just like Paul told the Corinthians, behold Him as in a mirror and being transformed from glory to glory. And so what was preached to the church at Colossae? He was, pre he was preached the grace of God in truth, the unmerited and the undeserved favor of God that has appeared unto all men and did what they could not do and never could do because the work that Jesus could do, no man could do. He did it perfectly, being fully God and fully man on our behalf. And so what, what set the church of Colossae off was the grace of God in truth. And the grace of God in truth always move together. They're not separable. I'm sorry, but i got to tell you the truth. Well, no, you'll say it in grace because grace and truth always go together. We see that in John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. What was the light of men? Their, their understanding that I'm wrong? No, it was the life of God that became the light that they were drawn to, right? When we, when we make Jesus big in our lives and glorify how good Jesus is and what he's done and how he's transformed us, it draws people just like those bugs when you turn on the bug zapper and they see, oh, it's light. You're transformed. Light is an attractive force. Man, the light of God and the life of God will draw and transform the world. 
So we need to stop focusing so much on what they're doing wrong. Guess what? We've all done it wrong. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Let's put the focus back on Jesus because he said, if I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And so in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And it says, and that light shines into the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Meaning it's not the light's job to look and try to understand the darkness. It's the light's job to shine. What did Jesus say? He said, if you put a light up on top of a hill, everybody sees it. But he goes in verse 12, he says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. When we believe on Jesus, it's not because your work of the flesh, because your will of the flesh couldn't do it. It's not the will of your neighbor, and it's the will of God. And it says, and that word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so grace and truth are inseparable. And I always like to say, grace is not your, your license to keep on sinning and staying the same as you have. No, Grace is your focusing back onto God, his empowerment in your life. There's more grace in your life. There's more empowerment for you to succeed than there is for you to fail. There's more power in his grace for you to be transformed than for you to stay the same. Let's make much of the grace of God because Paul said it was the grace of God in truth that transformed the church at Colossae, that transformed Laodicea and Hierapolis and Ephesus. It was the grace of God. So if they made much of the grace of God, we should make much of the grace of God. And he says, as you have learned this from Epaphras, he was confident that Epaphras, who went and established this church, this is what he was going to tell you. Why? Because Paul and Epaphras were friends. Paul and Timothy were friends. They traveled together, and they were teaching the same thing. <laughs> and so Paul knew, if you guys know Epaphras, you've already been told about the grace of God, who is our dear fellow servant and a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Man, it's interesting that that keeps showing up. It was in chapter 2. It was at the first of chapter 1. And here it is again in verse 8. That their love was flowing. Their love one for another. Their love for the saints. And here it says, their love in the Spirit. The love of God just multiplies and multiplies and multiplies and multiplies because it transforms. Verse 9. And it says, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you. And we ask that you may be filled with all the knowledge of his will and all spiritual understanding. And here for the next few verses, Paul begins to pray for them. And you could say, oh, it's just a prayer. No, it's not just a prayer. Prayer is Paul's heart on display. This is what is true. 
this is what I believe about you. And this is what I want to see happen. This is his heart on display. If we look at these ver next few verses and say, it's just a prayer, we can go ahead and point back to ourselves and say, we don't actually believe our prayers matter and that our prayers work and that our prayers have weight. Come on. If we look at verse 9 through 15 and say, it's just a prayer. No, no, it's not just a prayer. This is the truth on display. This is Paul's heart on display. And you need to know that Paul's prayers had weight and had power and changed things. And when you know that, you'll understand that your prayers have weight and have power and change things. It's not just a prayer. There's a transformation taking place. The word of the Lord is going forth in truth and things are changing. And so Paul says, since we heard of you, we can't help but not stop praying. We're praying and we're praying. And guys, this is what we're praying. We ask that you be filled with all the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and understanding. And looking at the time, we are just touching the tip of this iceberg. And so I think this might be a good place for us to stop. And we're going to hit this prayer next week. Paul had things on his heart by the Spirit of God that he wanted them to understand. Just as like this morning, Pastor Wendy had things by the Spirit on her heart that needed to be prayed out and needed to be spoken out. This week, as you're in your prayer times, the Lord has things He wants to speak out through you. Come on, there's things on the, sp the Spirit that are in the inside of you, just like they're on the inside of Pastor Wendy, that He wants to speak out new direction, new destiny for 2024. Come on, out of your mouth will speak forth the oracles of God. Out of your mouth will go before you and be, things begin to line up, begin to change and be like where it seemed like I'm at a dead end road. But as you begin to pray, you'll see the path come up before you and that you'll be able to look at it and be like, wow, how did I miss that before? Come on. It's when you get into the spirit of God and you begin to pray that his heart begins to flow through you and out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth begins to speak. And as you begin to speak, just like James said, it's like that that rudder on a great ship, it begins to bring a direction. It's like that bit in the horse's mouth. You pull it to the right, it goes to the right. You pull it to the left, and it goes to the left. Come on, let your prayers this week go before you and set a new path and a new destiny. It doesn't have to be the way it's been in the last year. Come on, 2024 is a new year. Not because God has changed, but when you open up your heart to Him, He will transform you, and He will change you. He will change your destiny. And so come on, this week, church, I want you to spend time in prayer and let the Holy Spirit speak out what is necessary and what is needful in your life. You don't need your neighbor's prayers. You need your prayers. Go ahead and let them go before you and let the heart of God come out through your mouth. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Pastor Robin. Prayer is the plow that gives you access to what God has on for you down the road. It's like we're getting all this snow, and the plows will be out there to clear the roads to be able to give, give, us, give us access to where we need to go in our vehicles, right? So prayer is the same way. It's God's plow. But actually, it's your plow in comb combination with God. Because they're godly prayers. You need to be praying. You need to be praying 
uh, in the spirit from your place, your position of up. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's offering. Ah, Loborotika Brandisha Kobo. Sina and Dekabo Shondia Baba Kababa. Bobo Show Titi Kambam. Mo Shakala La Yachacha. Mila Mamakucha Baboriti. Yes, and, and obstacles are removed. Obstacles are displaced, flattened. The hills will be brought low, the valleys will be brought high. And it will bring you to a consistent plane, a plane of walking in me and walking in victory. Glory be to God. Well, it's offering time. Amen. <clears throat> um, yeah, so you give that way online or you can use an envelope and there's a basket at the back. Um, I was thinking when uh, preparing for the offering this, this morning, I came up with this, this confession. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, we, we, do, we do this, we'll do this over and over again. Repetition's not bad, but in this confession is things that you should be expecting to happen. As you tithe and give offerings, I'm believing the Lord for, or it should say, I'm expecting from the Lord. Amen? And um, I, I think God loves to surprise us, you know, with, with, because even though you, 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 you say these things, you're confessing, you're believing for certain things, when it happens, it's like, oh, God came through again. Amen? Amen. So, you need to have the expectation to this happening. So let's say this together. As I tithe and give offerings, I'm believing the Lord for souls and more souls, jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, discounts and dividends, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills decrease, bills paid off, blessings and increases. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs that may have more than enough to give to the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Glory be to God. Uh, Pastor Wendy and I will be up here for uh, at the Word Care team this morning, so if you want prayer or ministry, please come on up. We would love to spend a bit of time with you. Amen? Amen. You are blessed.